0: hello everyone welcome to this new series called living on purpose this is the first message of this new series and the first message of 2021 so happy new year again If you're listening on podcast you know in this series we're going to spend January and February looking through the Bible from start to finish and speeding through it and looking about looking into what it can tell us about our purposes in life we're going to be talking about what our purposes are as revealed in the Bible and how we can live up to them, how we can read the manufacturer's manual and get the most out of life. You know, if we don't know the word of God, much of our potential in life is actually unfulfilled and unknown to us. And God really wants to get something through to you in this time. That there are things that he said, that things that he's asked us to do, asked us to be aware of, that he wants us to spend time on. In these winter months the amazing thing about being a Christian is that we know that we were created by God for God for his purposes that we're not cosmic flukes we're not just accidents that happened um, we've been told in God's Word what it means to be human what it means to be a man what it means to be a woman what it means to be a father and mother it's all here and it also talks about our collective purpose as the human race you know what we're supposed to do it has answers that make sense of life and that's why the bible is so dear to us because it really gives us so much you know you don't need to make your own meaning in life if you didn't believe in god i suppose you'd have to do that you have to create your own meaning and define your own meaning whereas according to the bible your own meaning and purpose has already been defined for you in Ephesians 2:10, Paul writes, "For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them." And this verse tells us that we're created by a God to live out His good works that He's planned for us, and it's of course the Spirit of God that reveals those things in a more exact manner. So. The word of god tells us we need to serve others but it's the spirit that might show you hey you need to become a doctor or a missionary to do that you know the word gives us light but the spirit gives us insight and this is going to be another prophetic series not only are you going to get illuminated to what god has said in his word but he's going to illuminate what he's already written on your heart what he predestined you to do what he called you to do that no one else could and so I believe that God's gonna give you some really important revelations at this time, things you need to know and remember as you move forward in this new year and this new decade. The reality is, Christians do struggle with knowing what their purpose is. There's been studies on this. People have gone to churches and, and surveyed Christians, and say, Do you know what your purpose is in life? And sometimes one in four, one in three couldn't even answer with a, a definitive answer and you know God doesn't want you to wonder about these things the God who saved you called you predestined you speaks to you in His by his word and his spirit he doesn't want you to be guessing about what those things are that he wants you to do and I think that's why a lot of people have a a disappointment in the Christian walk sometimes because it's it's it doesn't seem to be giving them a, a satisfaction but this is why you need to really study And you need to get into things. And this is going to be a meaty series and a meaty uh, topic, as I've talked about uh, in this service already. Because God doesn't want you to be just a Sunday Christian. He doesn't want you to be someone who does some churchy things over here. But yet your life doesn't reflect that. He wants you to be the man or woman of God that he created you to be. And the church, being part of a spirit-filled church and a church that loves the word of God and honours the word of God and teaches it faithfully is a church that will actually move you forward in life and I discovered this when I was a teenager that actually I'm learning and growing in things I need to, to do my character, all of these things the positive influence of being a Christian is is just far beyond anything that anything in the world could offer you Hebrews 10 says and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching so we're called to good works and it's the gathered church being part of a church hearing the word of god like you are today that spurs you on you know boots that have spurs on when you're riding a horse are there to actually spur the horse on literally that's what it means when you're riding a horse and you give it a little jab with those spurs it suddenly moves forward at a quicker pace that's what the gathered church does coming around the word of god that's what it does it spurs you on towards those things you were meant to be and and what you were meant to be doing and of course the day is approaching that's what it talks about as you all the more as you see the day approaching you know the lord's coming and he, he has things that he wants us to be getting on with. And so let's make a habit of of doing this. And and if you've not been in the habit of coming to church and listening to the word and praying, it's time for a new habit. And that's what the Lord is saying today. So this is the time to shift the atmosphere in our hearts, in the atmosphere of the church as well, the collective church. Because, you know, let's face it, January, February, the the horrible months uh, naturally speaking especially at the moment the cold the wet you know i i I look forward to the spring but you know there's something about being inside being with family and and getting out a book that just feeds you and prepares you for what's ahead and that's what i really hope for you in this series that you're going to really feed on the word of god that you're really going to grow and nourish yourself and rest for the things that are ahead and get what you need so you can move on Sally Clarkson who's a a great Christian author um, she wrote this when God's commands are obeyed people flourish because they are living in harmony with the way they were designed and the one who designed them you see God's commands are not burdensome they are there God has said things to us us to flourish in actually how we were meant to be and the one who created us uh, to be in relationship with us and so that's why the bible is so important and so as you get into your bible in a year as you get into this series i really believe that god's going to rebirth something in you again in this time you're going to feel purposeful you're going to feel fruitful again and you're going to be bearing fruit in a way you haven't before and you know, in this series, like I said, we're going through the whole Bible. So today we're going to be going right back to uh, the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And we're going to see about what God said about mankind specifically when He created us. You know, what our purpose was, and um, what was His original intention for us, and how was that ruined, and how was it restored. So it's the big theme of the Bible that I'm going to try and cover in one message today, and of course. The Bible is a progressive revelation. There's layers of it as you go through, and that's what you're gonna get out of this series. You're gonna see those layers of revelation and understanding as you go through the word of God. But today, so much of what you need to understand about the Bible is compact right in this first book. And one of the central messages of the Bible that you need to understand is that we were created to bear the image of God. We were created to bear his image. It's something unique about mankind, you see no other animal no other creature out there has the image of God like we do and we need to remember that all scripture is God breathed and it is useful to us and so today i'm not going to spend time talking about the topic of evolution and um, these other subjects i could spend a long time talking about that it's something i've studied uh, quite a lot especially when i was at theological college but you know to simply say this God gave us his word for a reason to read it to understand it and apply it and the the unique thing about the Christian faith is that we are told that we though we have an animal-like body that we eat food that we you know do all the kind of things that mammals do that we're not simply animals that we are set apart by God for a purpose for something that he has for us in this world I heard a testimony of a man in India who grew up in India he was part of the the lowest caste in India and I don't know if you know about India some of you will some of you won't but there's a, a there's many different castes in India and there's the high caste and the low caste and it's very different to a lot of other places in the world but if you're in the lower caste that's that's not that's not a good thing. Um and um one of this young man, he uh he his brother came home one day and he'd become a Christian and uh he actually heard the gospel there and then for the first time, gave his life to the Lord. His mother gave her life to the Lord. And he, then he started reading the Bible and the thing that really hit him was seeing that he and everyone else in mankind was were created in the image of God. To him, that was the the big thing. You know, he grew up thinking he never had a soul, that he wasn't even a real human being, and yet he learned that he was created in the image of God. The worth, the value, the identity that comes with that is 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 unimaginable. Especially when you have grown up in that culture, when you're told you have no worth. I remember being in a conference once, and someone said, "Who wants this twenty pound note?" and all the youth kind of ran up and three people got up on the stage and and uh, and someone, said, and the guy said, if I took this 20 pound note and I ripped it a bit, would you still want it? And they said, yeah, of course I would. Okay, what if I stamped on it? What if I made it muddy? Would you still want this 20 pound note? And the kid's like, yeah, sure. And he said, why do you still want it? And he said, because it's still a 20 pound note. And he goes, you've, you've got this exactly right. You see, the world the outside influence the dirtying of the world and even sin itself things that we do cannot remove the image that's been imprinted on us cannot remove the value that's been imparted to us it's intrinsic to us the image of god is not simply a capacity it's something that we can do that's how the world defines your value um, things that you can do you have the image of god before you're even born before you can do anything when you're in the womb, you were made in the image of God. And this is really one of the most crucial topics for our time. You know, in a society that's drifted from the, the Judeo-Christian value and understanding of things, that's really chosen to put those aside and become a, a post-Christian society, all these things that were kind of self-evident um, and found in the Bible, they, they're gone. So things like, for example the issues of race have come up and you know the bible tells us there isn't multiple races of mankind there's one human race you know and we're all part of it and therefore all made in the image of god and we're all equal in god's sight you know that settles the race wars settles the the race battles or at least it should it should inform it and it did for people like martin luther king You said that we shouldn't judge other people on the color of their skin but by our character and you know children in the womb i've already said the abortion the abortion subject you know the abortion topic it's it's probably one of the most important subjects of our time a lot of people don't think it is but you know more people are dying in the womb than they are in wars are they not valuable and what gives them value What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? You know, gender wars, sexuality, they've been big topics of our time, they still are. And to even talk about them is almost dangerous because you're gonna offend someone. And I'm not here to offend anyone today. And if you've had an abortion, I'm not here to to condemn you. I'm just wanting to remind you that all people have value. all lives matter and that really marriage is sacred and we're going to see that as we go into Genesis this is a foundational understanding of what it means to be human and we're going to read Genesis 1 and we're going to start at verse 26 and we're going to see what God said about us and we're going to let that define how we see ourselves and how we see others I've given every green plant for food and it was so and God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day so you see there's this moment where the heavens have been created the earth's been created even animals have been created and the world is ready for this new creature and they're called mankind that's what Adam means it means man And Eve means woman, as you'll see in a moment. And there is this creature who's given the image of God. No other creature has made it this way. And it's almost as if God has made this temple, this universe that glorifies him, that reflects his glory and worth. And into this temple, he puts his image. That's how they used to create temples they used to have the image of the god in the temple so you'd know who that temple belongs to which god that te- that temple represents and to this temple the universe this earth he puts mankind and he made them man and woman you know god speaks let us make man in our image there's different ways of understanding us is it the trinity father son and holy spirit speaking to each other Is it a royal we, let us, you know, we say, we decree? You know, that's some of the language you find in the Bible. Uh, Is it God speaking to the heavenly hosts, saying, let us create mankind in our image, you know, this heavenly spiritual image? Whatever it means, it's, it's defined for us in these verses where it's saying that we're to be fruitful, that we're to have dominion over the earth, that we are image bearers of the divine and there's a special connection that we have to God that other animals don't and of course as we get into Genesis chapter 2 we get a more detailed description of mankind and what we're meant to do of course we're told here that we are here to uh, to to represent God and to to be blessed by him and to have dominion and of course as you go through it the understanding and the kind of explanation the description kind of thickens genesis 2 from verse 15 then the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden to work it and keep it and the lord god commanded the man saying you may surely eat of every tree in the garden but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die for the lord god said it is not good that man should be alone i will make him a helper fit for him bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she should be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed so that's genesis 2 and so they have mankind together created together man and woman have this responsibility this privilege and this opportunity to work the world, Adam was doing it before he came along to work the earth and to to eat of the you know the fruit of the trees and and the goodness of the earth basically and it 's all given to him everything of course, except for the, the the tree of knowledge of good and evil and of course it 's god 's universe and he can do what he likes you know he can gives us the whole world and says there's one tree you can 't have, and that 's up to him because of course he 's ultimately in control. And mankind is here to work. He's here to work. Isn't that amazing? You know, we think that maybe uh, work is something from the devil, or work is something bad. But, you know, the reality is, before sin came along, uh, mankind was commissioned to work. And what does that mean? Well, it means all kinds of things. As we go throughout the Bible, it means to take the, the raw resources of the earth, you know, we talks about the seeds here and the trees, but there's also, you know, other things that we can make things with—rocks, metal—and we can create. You know, God created the universe, and He made us in His image. We are creative, and we're part of that ongoing creative process with Him, where He's shaping the world, and He's actually doing it with us involved, us as His representatives, and His hands and feet. And of course, like we we saw in Ephesians, were His workmanship, and so. There's this word used in the Hebrew, avodah, and it's still used in Hebrew today for when you talk about work, going to work. And here he is working, and you know, in, throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, this this word avodah is used a lot. It's often used in the way of temple service, working in uh, the tabernacle or the temple. You know, religious service, religious duty. So it's used for work, you know, in the kind of natural sense, but it's also used for Service to God, so to so work, in God's eyes is almost very similar. The word is is like the word worship, isn't that amazing? So you could just change the word there. Adam worshipped in the garden. So when you go back to work tomorrow, you know, fourth of January, oh, and you've had a nice two weeks off or whatever you've had. Remember that your work, God commissioned you to work. God commissioned you to create, to produce. Uh, to bring to add value to the world that he made that's what work is remember he asked you to do that colossians three twenty three puts it this way whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the lord not for human masters okay so not for your boss since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the lord as a reward it is the lord christ you are serving okay so remember your work Before your boss came along, before your boss was born, God commissioned you to work in the world, okay? Or God commissioned mankind to work in the world, should I say. So the work of man and God predates any human person. predates you, predates me, and it's something that's so important for us to do. God made a perfect world, he made a perfect man called Adam. Adam also in the Bible is called the son of God, don't know if you know that in that he is the perfect human being that God would accept um, that's you know that's you know you can look at that in Matthew's Gospel and um, he's this son of God he's this representation of God God's child, God's heir on the earth and of course Eva's as well in that equal sense and they are t- together and God said it's not good for man to be alone you know loneliness is one of the biggest issues In our society. Western societies in particular. So many people are single. Now as a Christian. There's a a real grace from God. That comes for being single. uh, Just as there is for being married. So I'm not attacking anyone for being single. What I'm saying is. That we are not meant to be alone. That even if you are single. You're meant to be in community. You're meant to be in fellowship. With each other. You're meant to be in partnership. With others. And so. Marriage is a place of life and fruitfulness. And of course, being in connection with each other as well is so important. It's it's the way we were meant to be, meant to be interrelational creatures. And the partnership of man together, man and woman together, is so important. And so, here's Adam and Eve, they have an equal status. Eve is called the helper but that's not a derogative term she's not a slave to Adam Uh, God calls himself the helper many times in the Bible uh, one who comes alongside to assist in the same mission that's what it means and Jesus looks back to this time in Genesis and he said that this was where marriage was defined this is where marriage our understanding of marriage comes from in Matthew chapter 19 verse 5 Jesus answered have you not read that from the beginning the creator made them male and female and he said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh so they are no longer two but one flesh therefore what god has joined together let man not separate so jesus says that look being alone is not good uh being single is okay because you know jesus was single And there's a grace for singleness but being alone is not okay and redefining marriage is not okay and divorce is not okay you know you know I'm treading on some toes now and again I'm not attacking anyone I'm just saying that Jesus said what God has brought together let no man separate you know God didn't bring man and woman together so that they would be separated he brought them together so they'd be one and so that be life and fruitfulness you know the family is the foundation of society and once we once we lose that we lose so much we lose society itself when you drift from a a Judeo-Christian understanding that you find in Genesis suddenly everything that was kind of obvious and innate to us uh, starts to become confused and of course the confuser the one who who doesn't like the family who doesn't like marriage who doesn't like the life in the womb who doesn't like god who doesn't like the creator who doesn't like the one who spoke over creation man and woman and said it's good he comes along and he has something to do genesis 3 of course is the the account of the fall when satan the tempter comes and speaks as a snake or through a snake it's not 100% clear um but in any case, it's definitely him that's at work, and it says that the law. Uh, it says that the he, he 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 came to them, and he said, "Did God really say? You know, this is this is where our society's gone wrong. We doubt what God said. We doubt the word of God. Did God really say? He said it to Jesus in the desert. Did God really say? You know, he creates doubts on the things that are true and innate to us, and therefore he gains entry." And he and then brings confusion. And so, after Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit, they hide from God. And God confronts man, woman, and the snake together in Genesis 3, reading from verse 12. Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Okay, so he's blaming the woman. Okay, not a good start. Verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, remember, the greatest judgment is going to come on Satan himself, not on mankind. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head And you shall bruise his heel. Remember this verse. We're going to come back to that. To the woman he said. I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. But he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said. Because you've listened to the voice of your wife. And have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you. You shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it. All the days of your life thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to the dust you shall return the man called his wife's name eve because she was the mother of all living and the lord god made for adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them then the lord god said behold the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed a cherubim, which is an angel, and a flaming sword that turned, away, turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life mysterious passage because where is the garden of eden was it heaven was it on earth it was clearly on earth but it's something something heavenly about it where angels and god can be seen and uh, of course a snake is talking as well so there's something very supernatural about this this place and of course they fall and god says cursed is this because of you cursed is this because of you you know god didn't want to curse his good creation the creation that he said was very good But when the contract, when the covenant between man and God was broken, when man's side of it was was broken, there were consequences that came. And it came not only on mankind itself, but even on the world itself. And um, there's this curse that surrounds us. There's a spiritual death. You know, it's like Adam and Eve. It's like they died inside. And, and, And because, you know, did they die? Well, they will die eventually. And they did die hundreds of years later after this moment. And it's, uh, you know, he, God didn't want them to, to eat from this fruit that would give them eternal life. They would keep on living, yet they're fallen. So God actually lent them, set them away that they would physically die. But remember, what did God promise? He promised something to the woman in particular, saying that He, your seed, He will crush your head. He will crush the head of the serpent. And that serpent will bruise the heel of your seed who is this and what is he talking about come into it in a moment you see the children of Adam and Eve Cain and Abel Cain kills Abel and the Abel's blood it's like he's crying out from the ground the injustice of this but of course mankind becomes increasingly wicked and you get to Noah and you get to Noah where God floods the earth and God essentially restarts mankind through eight people, Noah and his family. And, and God reminds Noah and his family as they enter this new world of the covenant he's already been made since the beginning. So in Genesis chapter 9, God says in this covenant, when he's making this covenant with Noah and his family, and of course, everyone who would come after Noah, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man, in His own image, and you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah, and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you, and your offspring after you. It's Genesis chapter nine, verse six to eight. So God made a perfect world. It was fallen, but God has essentially restarted the world again. It, you know, but sin. The curse, the devil, they're still present. And there's coming a time when the image bearers of God are going to be redeemed. And God speaks about it right from the beginning. You know, so much happened when the fall happened. You know, viruses and bacteria that were actually there, they have a purpose in nature to recycle biological materials. They kill us. COVID-19 can kill you god didn't design this world god designed a perfect world and he's going to restore a perfect world in the end but what's going to happen between then and now there's a part of our experience where we exist with sin and a sinful nature and of course god is going to deal with the serpent the serpent being satan a spiritual creature who exists today I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Genesis 3:15 is the first preaching of the gospel. Martin Luther, King, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King. Martin Luther, the theologian, was one of the first people to point this out. That though mankind lives under the curse and lives at enmity, enmity that means uh, really at war with the demonic realm that the demonic realm of Satan and the demons actually impact our world now that we live under this curse, there's going to be the one who is born of a woman and not of a man. Jesus had a virgin birth. Jesus was the son of Mary and he was not the son of Joseph. He was the son of Mary and he was the son of God. And like Noah, there's an ex. You see, it's, see the story of Noah is like the story of the mankind being rebirthed, recommissioned, starting again. And that's what Jesus is. Jesus is the new Adam. He's the new mankind. He's the he's the rebirthing of the new world. And of course, that's going to find its fulfillment in the new heaven and the new earth. And God's desire is that He would restart mankind again. And it's going to be without. Sin without the devil involved in the New Testament, Jesus is called the image of God. You know, we're made in the image of God, but Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We've been made in the image of Christ, we are predestined to be in his image and likeness. And of course, Adam had that image and likeness, and he lost him and he gave his authority over to the devil really, he gave the backdoor entry to the devil and he gave the backdoor entry to the curse and the and all these things and Jesus, what did he do? Jesus didn't just okay. well you know I've given authority to mankind and I'll just take it back now, no, God became a man and lived a sinless life unlike Adam and then at the cross took the enemy to the cross took sin to the cross and destroyed its power destroyed their influence destroyed the curse you know jesus had a thorn of crowns twisted on his head remember it says in genesis that thorns and thistles will come up so the the, i feel the anointed when the the thorns and the thistles were put on the skull of jesus it was like he carried the curse to the cross and he killed the curse and he made a spectacle of the enemy and he, he created the new Adam. He created the new mankind. Thank you Lord. First Corinthians chapter 15. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Who's it talking about? Jesus, the last Adam, the last son of God, the true son of God who would represent mankind. And be the one that we would spring forth and be connected to. And find our life from. Adam lost it. Jesus won it back. Jesus has the keys of life in Hades. Oh. First Corinthians 15. Reading from verse 45. Thus it is written. The first Adam became a living being. And the last Adam became a life giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first. But the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth man of dust the second man is from heaven as was the man of dust so also are those who are of the dust and as is the man of heaven so also are those who are of heaven just as we have been born in the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven isn't that an incredible scripture god wanted us to look like him to represent him in likeness and and everything and authority everything i've heard a great scripture once uh sorry a quote that said you know for god so loved the world he gave his only son that's john three sixteen. but someone said this for god so loved jesus that he wanted many more like him do you know that god didn't need us he wanted us and jesus is wonderful and perfect and and beautiful and and you know exactly the the type of human being that he wants to relation have relationship with perfect and holy and we have now been restored to that image of christ in romans chapter 8 verse 29 for those god foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters isn't that amazing so we were born in Adam and Adam lost something and now we can be born again okay not an evangelical term not a kind of wishy term we can be born again into the new family the new humanity that is of Christ Jesus is the escape Jesus is the new humanity he's the restored humanity He's the restored image of God that we can now bear and resemble in our lives. In Romans chapter five, verse twelve, therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. And then if you skip through to verse fifteen, for just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also the through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. You will be made righteous. Sanctification, being made holy, being made into the image of Christ is a process. But make no mistake, when you are born again, when you accept Jesus Christ, you are no longer in the curse of Adam. Yes, the effects of it are still here. We need to work in an imperfect world. But remember, you, now, you are now a citizen of heaven. And that is where you belong. And this world will fade away and you'll be part of a new heaven and a new earth. A new humanity, just like it was in the beginning. Isn't the Bible incredible? Doesn't it have all the answers for everything in life? For sexuality, for gender, for ethics, for everything. For marriage and for life itself. Make no mistake. This Bible, this continuous story, is one of life and hope. And I encourage you, if you've not put your faith in Jesus... To remember who he is and what he's done he has bore the price of the curse of sin and has bruised the the enemy he's harmed him and when Jesus harmed the enemy it harmed him he died on the cross but he is risen and as he is risen we can be risen as well we can be connected to him through the Holy Spirit that we by the spirit he can live inside of us i said it was going to be deep today but listen this is what the bible teaches so we just praise god for what he's done we thank him for the cross and we thank him that we bear the image of god and we bear the image of christ and that we have been restored to what he intended for us and even though it's not complete now we look forward to the day when it will be complete for he who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. He'll complete it in the day of the second coming. So thank you for listening today. God bless you.